Women that don't take estrogen post-menopause have the same rates of heart disease as men because they don't have the estrogen around. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Perimenopause and menopause is a transition in life that is mandatory and natural, but suffering is optional. This is, of course, where I have spent my life's work and I'm really passionate about empowering you, each and every one of you that are listening to this, to be empowered and in charge of your own health so that you have a natural, healthy transition and are embracing a longevity that will continue a beautiful longevity for the rest of your life that we not only have a long number of years that we're living but the quality of life that we're living is powerful and beautiful and strong and healthy and um and again the list goes on so I just finished a recording for menopause and perimenopause masterclass that included Dr. Laura Bryden, Dr. Maritza Snyder, Dr. Karen Dunstan, and Dr. Sean Tasson. However, funny as technology would be, we were allowed four people in total on the masterclass platform, and uh, Sean was the last to enter, so he did not get, he was not able to be live during our conversation, but an amazing conversation, an amazing way to follow up and bring Dr. Sean Tasson, who's an OBGYN and best-selling author of the Hormone Balance Bible, uh, a book that is characterizing the 12 archetypes of, of female um, hormones, female different types that we may be experiencing, maybe one or more, but there may be a dominant archetype that we're experiencing right now. So it's great. And it's a great book to get to add to your um, library. And so in our discussion today, we're going to address some of the questions that came in and dig a little bit deeper into menopause and perimenopause. So thank you for being with me. And let me introduce you to Dr. Sean Tesson. Hello, everyone. Welcome, Dr. Sean Tesson with me as well for this in-depth questions and answers regarding perimenopause and menopause. Dr. Tesson, thank you for being here with me today. Hey, thanks. I didn't realize we were wearing our festive holiday colors. I'm, I'm wearing black, so obviously I'm depressed, I uh, guess. Uh, um, you look good. Oh, well, thank you. Definitely working on festive season to, to bring some spring into the season here too. I can't so. do the, I can't, I wish I could do the lipstick because it does, it pops, you know, it, it, it looks good. Yes. For, for those of you that are listening and don't get to see what uh, we are wearing good, today, everybody. please join me on the YouTube channel. So at right. the Girlfriend Doctor on YouTube and we'll see our um, beautiful and handsome faces here today. So 
Uh, well, you know, telling our audience just a little bit about our um, conundrum with our masterclass that we did. That was amazing masterclass. I have four of the amazing, most amazing speakers on my masterclass. And, um, and as guests, however, we had no idea that our technology only allow, allowed four total people on the masterclass. So we missed out on, on Dr. Sean's presence, but we had Dr. Laura Bryden, Dr. Maritza Snyder, Dr. Karen Dunstan as myself and, and myself for a great conversation, but it actually worked out to everyone's benefit because we had like hundreds of questions we couldn't answer. So we've taken that time to group some of these questions from, you know, so many of our attendees, because we had, you know, over we had thousands of women registered. So we got a ton of questions in and was able to group them. And we're going to talk about some of the questions about birth control and cancer and um, cancer in general, talking about um, our endometrium uterus, fibroids issues, endometriosis issues, and a really big question that came in over and over again was hormonal balance and hormone replacement therapy, as well as hot flashes and vaginal dryness. So we're going to, a lot of questions about my product. Jolva came in, so we're going to talk about that too. So there are several things we're going to talk about in this time that we have together. And um, I'm really glad that I get this follow-up interview to be able to share with our audience and address, address some of yeah, these it's questions. It's a bonus. It is. It's a huge bonus. It is. Yeah. So it worked out really, really well. And I'm a, I am a praying woman. I say, okay, you know, <laughs> I am looking at this as a true blessing. So I thank you for coming back on. Oh, well, like I said uh, earlier, I mean, the, the, the three women you had on are, I, I don't know Lara very well, but I know what she's written and the other ladies on the panel and you are friends of mine. And um, yeah, and actually it's funny because being a guy uh, in that arena of women's health, I think this gives me um, uh, a, a different opportunity to uh, maybe not be surrounded by all that estrogen. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm surrounded. I, I like to, I guess I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, I obviously identify as male, but I, I have a lot of uh, feminine uh, qualities because I'm surrounded by women all the time. So I think sometimes it gives you a different perspective, you know? Well, and plus you've written your book, best-selling book, The Hormone Balance Bible. And I want to talk a little bit, if you'll introduce your book to our audience too, and your background, why you found the need and how, and how you see and you, you see your role in helping women transform, especially when it comes to uh, hormones and perimenopause and menopause? Well, I mean, you've written a bunch of books too, and you know that books tend to come from things that you're passionate about um, or things that you find yourself talking a lot about. And in my case, um, what I found was over the last 20 years as my hormone practice kind of developed and evolved, when I was talking to women, I found that if I said to them, oh, you know, you're estrogen dominant or your testosterone's low, you know, maybe we should look at your cortisol, they would understand it. But if I could tie, if I could reiterate some stories that I've heard um, from other women that have come before, um, that it just connected so much better. And so what I found was that over time, I kind of had these 12 kind of recurring themes, if you will, that I call archetypes. So if I was talking about testosterone deficiency, 
they would connect. But if I talked about the story of the nun, um, I was just getting a lot more light bulbs that were going off. So what I did was I came up with 12 um, hormonal archetypes that are just good starting points. Obviously, nothing is better than labs or, you know, to really diagnose things. But for those women that were out there at 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, figuring out, you know, they were told by their doctors, as you see all the time too, I'm sure, oh, your hormones are fine. They're normal. Uh, you're just getting older or whatever, which you and I both know that's total garbage, but that's what happens a lot. And and so for these women, it just give gave them, I found it just gave them a starting point. You know, these books are places for women to just kind of get the information that they're really looking for and maybe hopefully guide them in a direction that they can connect with and and find somebody that can help them. Well, and it can be so isolating. We think we're alone. And so having this this archetypal system to relate to, having things like we did in the perimenopause, menopause masterclass, just you're not alone. You see the questions coming in. You see the comments, what we're talking about. It's, It's affirming in so many ways. And also there's help. Right. Well, as you know, they're just, they're not being acknowledged. You know, I, um, I did a podcast once with Erin Bronkovich and, and she said something that just kind of stuck with me. She said, if 10,000 men's penises fell off tomorrow, it would be like a national outrage, you know, like we would have to figure it out. We would have to fix it. But when hundreds of thousands of women are complaining about things from endometriosis to fibroids, to pelvic pain, to hormone imbalances, they're just told they're getting older or there's, there's nothing, you know, you're just going to have to suck it up. Sorry. And, and it's just not the case. It's totally not the case. The problem is, is that, and, and I'll, you know, we both delivered babies. When you do OB and GYN, you're busy, you're super busy. And so you're, you're trying to, you're not sleeping. And so for those of us like you and I that have gone the way of just doing gynecology, you can sit down, you can focus, you can spend more time with patients. And, and over time, you just realize that, you know, and, and it's an evolution, I think, as a practitioner too, hormones. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that you don't have to suffer with. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And that I just, you're bringing flashbacks. I remember in my busy OBGYN practice doing, deli- I remember when I, you know, 50 patients in one day, Right. I mean, it's just, and then, yeah. So, and going into solo practice was able to temper that, but still 20, 30 patients on average, and then going to GYN and being able to really spend some time, but more so than that too, is experiencing it myself. Cause I always say I was a good student. I didn't skip classes, not that much. Like I didn't miss, I just wasn't taught some of the things that I've experienced and had to, had to find answers for. So it, it, is, um, it is powerful. And I, I do think, and we talked about this in the masterclass, that the more, um, the more we have doctors like you and women physicians, especially OBGYNs, going through this transition in life, you know, the more natural options and acknowledgement um, we will hopefully receive in, in, in our culture in general. I would definitely agree with the Aaron Brockovich statement <laughs> that if yeah. this was happening to men, this would not be the issue. And there is a huge gender bias in medicine still today, but I think it's going to 
it's going to require more and more conversations like this. And every one of you that's listening to speak up, have your voice, share what's on your mind, demand to be acknowledged and heard. And, you know, there's always one next right step. The, ne the answer is never come back next year and I'll check again. They, it's always what's the one next right step I can be doing to be better and healthier next year than I am this year in, in the case of, in, especially when it comes into the case, in, in the case of perimenopause and menopause. And um, actually I'll give the example of a, a physician, Sean, that I heard speak one time, a urologist. And he said, and, and I feel this about women and, and pap smears. So um, the um, urologist was speaking and, and uh, he said, I was seeing this patient for 15 years and year 15, him and his wife came in, I, I palpated his prostate, I felt a lump. And, you know, I felt excited to tell him, look, I found this and I found it early and we're going to get to the bottom of this, did a biopsy and yes, it was cancer. So he's talking with the wife and the husband at their appointment for the biopsy results, I found the cancer, found it early and we're going to get this taken care of. And he goes, the wife looked at me, he said, he goes, the wife looked at me and said, what the hell have you been doing for 15 years? <laughs> right? And that's the yeah. truth. We have to, we have to demand it as, as patients, the same with a pap smear, the same with the breast exam. Mm -hmm. It is, it is not like I, I have been trained and trained myself to look at what are each and every one of you at risk for? And you do this, Sean, like what are each and every one of you at risk for? And what do we need to do that's holistically going to improve your health so that next year you're even healthier than I'm seeing you this year. And so yeah, I appreciate your book. I mean, it is amazing and it's a great resource for women, the hormone balance Bible y'all. Thank you. I mean, and, and it's, it's, you know, I just saw patients all day today and um, it's, it amazes me half of the patients that I see bring labs from other people where they're told they're normal. And, oh. you know, I always talk about it like this. It's like, you know, you're either in the house or you're not in the house. That's normal or abnormal. But if you're in the house, like let's say your free T3, which is your thyroid, your active thyroid is 2.3, which you're in the, you're laying on the floor in the basement, but it's normal. We might, we might be able to just move you up to the main floor and still be normal. And, and I can't tell you how many lives I think have changed just moving you more into the middle of normal. It doesn't have to be this seismic shift for it to make a massive difference. And then they'll go see an endocrinologist and the endocrinologist will be like, oh, you don't need this. And it's like, oh, but she felt so much better. And it's like, you know, you can't just look at the numbers. You can't just, you gotta look at the person and what the story is. And that's, that's I think what my book is, is more about is that narrative part of, of your history. Like, what is it that low, low testosterone, what's the story? What's the story of low thyroid? And, and that's, you know, what's, I can't tell you, I had a lady in here earlier uh, 37, she's a pharmaceutical rep. So, you know, they drive all day. She eats poor diet. Uh, she's got three boys under the age of seven. Um, and she's ragged. She's just not feeling like herself. And so I told her the story of the saboteur, which is low cortisol, um, because she did a Dutch test and I'm looking at it and I'm, so I start talking about the, the saboteur. These are women who have sabotaged their own health 
because they take care of everybody else mm -hmm. and they take care of their job. You're working 80 hours a week, you get home, you cook for your kids and, and, and then, you know, your husband's whining cause he's not getting sex and all this stuff. And, and you've sabotaged, you were a workaholic prior. That's the, that's the high cortisol. You're a workaholic prior to that. And now you're just burned out. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden the tears start coming because she said, that's the first time somebody's actually told me this story. And, and I tell her, I'm like, you know, and I say this in my book, this isn't me telling you, this is the thousands of women that I've had the pleasure of sitting with and just listening. I mean, if, if I have a superpower and my ex-wife would probably disagree with this, but it's listening. Um, it's just sitting and listening and giving people the space, women the space to tell their stories and then acknowledge them. Like you said earlier, it's about acknowledgement. Yeah. Okay. That's not normal. And, you know, it, like I had a lady earlier today too, her hemoglobin was four. Now that's highly abnormal. That's a critical emergent right. value. Yep. But same thing, she's walking around telling everybody how exhausted she is and not one person ever ordered a blood count on her and she's had heavy periods. And it's like, you know, I'm not a genius. I'm just listening to what you're telling me. And I, I just think that, I don't know why, why, why are doctors like that? But I guess it's just like you said, when you're seeing 50 people a day, it's like, well, I can put you on birth control pills, which probably would help, but she still wouldn't have known she had a hemoglobin that was, she literally had like what, 20% of her body blood, her blood supply, yeah, 25%. Yeah. And, and she's, she was, when I talked to her, she was at the arcade with four teenage boys watching them. And I'm like, how are you even standing up? But women just power through, man. They just power through guys, a guy with a hemoglobin of four, he'd be at home. He'd be in bed and, and the world would be ending, you know, but right. women just power through and they do the same thing with hormones. They yeah. just keep going. Yep. He'd be ordering delivery and watching football, but okay. Yeah. so, and, and it's so true. And I've heard that over and over again, you know, I'm just powering through painful sex. I'm just powering through, you know, exhaustion and powering through everything I need to do. We had a, we had a great discussion in the uh, perimenopause, menopause masterclass too, with about birth control pills. So you guys, I will put the link to the masterclass. It's at dranna.com forward slash menopause masterclass. So you want to hear that discussion. So we won't go into, we talked a lot about birth control pills there, especially using them to manage menopausal symptoms. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but I do want to uh, address a couple questions that came in around birth control pills too. And one was, well, I, you know, a woman, uh, uh, Jill wrote in, um, I understood that birth control pills would help prevent ovarian cancer. My mom had ovarian cancer. So how should I uh, proceed? What kind of cancer? Ovarian cancer. Yeah, that's my mom passed away from that. Actually, that's kind of what started my whole journey was um, when my mom, I think when she was diagnosed, she was 51. And um, she lived for, I think, six years. Um, she would call me after the chemo and, you know, joint pain and, and just hot flashes and irritability and all that stuff. And I, I couldn't do anything. I didn't know anything. And so when she passed, that's when I kind of went on my, my journey of trying to figure all this stuff out and learning as much as I could. Now, ovarian cancer, I, um, some doctors are uh, opposed to 
hormones, um, talking to some gynecologic oncologist. I don't think most are. When my mom had it, they wouldn't give her estrogen. And I think they thought that it stimulated the growth a little bit. So you have to kind of have that conversation with your oncologist as well. But what oncologists don't do, and this is across the board, whether it's breast or whatever, they, they're, hey, the oncologists are there to make you live longer. That's what they do, right? So they're going to give you all of the specs on this is what the chemo is. Uh, you can't take hormones. I want you to be on tamoxifen, whatever it is. But they're doing that just for sheer survival. They're not really ever interested in quality of life. And, and that's what the other thing is we, we also see thousands of women a year. And breast cancer, I see every once in a while, but it's not as common as you would think ovarian cancer even less so but oncologists that's all they see is cancer so in their minds everyone has cancer right and it's like but i rarely see cancer so it's like i see the women suffering from having no hormones so in a woman that has ovarian cancer i probably would call her oncologist g1 oncologist and say you know talk to them about it first of all and, and ask but um usually in those cases um estrogen progesterone testosterone whatever it is unless you have a you know, a granulosa cell tumor or something that does secrete estrogen, and maybe that is a little more sensitive, I, I would probably give them estrogen. And I even have, in my own practice, probably less than 10, but I have women that have a history of personal history of breast cancer. And, and because they've been patients of mine for a while, I know them. I know how they've been suffering. We've talked extensively and consented. It should be a consentable thing if they can't and i've always asked can you live the life that you want to live you know if you lived another 20 years like this would that be good or if you lived another 18 years and you were using hormones would that be good and most of those women they they, they can't they're not sexually active because they it hurts and they they're not sleeping and to me sleep is more important than probably anything we do and if they can't sleep well then we need to do something about it so it's 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 very individual, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah, and I would agree. And I think the recommendation, certainly women with ovarian cancer, breast cancer, always looking for the underlying cause that caused the cancer to begin with. To say it was estrogen is misogynistic. <laughs> I'll go that far to say that, right? To say that it's estrogen, it's anti-woman to do that. And it is, um, what caused it? Was it an estrogen disruptor, a hormone disruptor, a, you know, typically an endocrine disruptor of some kind, a toxic um, exposure, uh, something that affects our liver metabolism, something that affects our gut. When I, every, every single patient that I've addressed who had cancer, looking at the reason, the underlying reason was not their own natural production of hormones. Now, how we get rid of those hormones that we're producing naturally and as well as the hormone disruptors that we're exposed to or the hormones outside that we're exposed to definitely alter the course of our health. And that's why what you do, what I do is so improve, so important in empowering women to gain that control and always looking for the underlying answer. In Jill's question, she was put on birth control pills because of that family history of ovarian cancer. And what the research has shown is that, well, seven years of birth control pills will decrease your risk of ovarian cancer. But when you use those birth control pills, that's different. But what are other things that could also decrease the risk of ovarian cancer. I mean, what? How would you address 
address that issue to reduce when you have a family history of whether it's breast cancer, ovarian cancer, endometrial cancer, okay, heart disease, diabetes, whatever your family history is, how do you um, address that address that patient and in to enable them, empower them to decrease their risks for developing that um, disease? Well, I think, um, you know, like in, in some cases, it's, there's a lot of factors, obviously, with any cancer, like you said, nutrition, uh, endocrine disruptors, where you live, pollution, alcohol consumption, you know, mm -hmm. genetics is obviously a big, a big piece of that. So anybody that comes in that has colon, breast, ovary, even things like melanoma, prostate in their family, I will do a genetic test with, through a company like Myriad, um, not just to look for BRCA, but to look for there's check and all these other things now that we know as the genome starts to get sequenced a little bit more. And, and so then you have that person's risk and their risk history based on their genetics. And the great thing is um, you can change the way you do screening, first of all. So um, like say with breast cancer risks, um, I have a woman who is 35 and her sister died at like 32 from breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Turns out she did have a gene. And so um, we did MRIs of her breast because that's the recommendation. And um, there was no cancer. Um, but at 36, she decided to do a radical mastectomy. It's her choice just based on her risk factors. And actually when they did the pathology from the breast tissue, she had an early cancer. So um, just by her being empowered enough to make that decision for herself, uh, she saved her own life. You know, um, unluckily her sister, but her sister saved her sister's life by giving her that uh, availability. So that that's one thing. You can also like... Um, like say for breast cancer, if I have a patient who has a significant family history, even if she has no genetic indicators, I will send them to like a website like Dr. Veronique Desaunier, who's a friend of ours, yes. who, who has a lot of great information. She's done all the work, so I don't have to reiterate everything. And, and she's got all that great stuff, you know, and, you know, and, and increasing their, you know, levels of, you know, um, fish oil and, and sleep, sleep's huge and, and keeping cortisol under control and blood sugars, obviously. And, and there's a lot of things which, you know, that's more your area actually, even than mine. I'm, I'm, I, I do talk about keto and stuff. It's funny because keto is like such a hot button issue. I think one of the one-star reviews I have on my book is because I, I talked about keto for like PCOS. I just mentioned it, you know, and I mean, it's like such, it's, it, it just like, it's so like heated. I didn't really even realize that. <laughs> Welcome to my world. But I would say, you know, from my research and from working with thousands of women too, that keto, there's a clean way to do keto yeah. and there's a dirty way. So keto green is clean. And what we've seen is improvements in all markers, inflammatory markers, blood sugar markers, hormone hot, you know, hot flashes and hormonal symptoms, 80 to 90% improvements in two weeks. So I think it's not just a good idea for women in perimenopause and menopause, but it's mandatory. And, and, I, and I, of course I can harp on that for a long run, for a long time, but sugar is toxic. And again, controlling sugar, glucose and hemoglobin A1C for any type of cancer, as well as optimizing vitamin D levels um, vitamin D 25 hydroxy levels is really, really so important now, on this topic. And, uh, wrote in, um, she said, can you speak to women in menopause who have had breast cancer? Can you suggest 
balancing hormones naturally to restore natural sleep cycles, vaginal dryness, and other common symptoms in menopause when estrogen, including estriol and DHEA, are not allowed. So I know I have a, I know you probably have a few things to mm. comment on this statement. So um, I'd love for yeah, you to address a, it. That's a, that's obviously, you, when you have a woman that has a history of breast cancer, I, I still, and especially if she's, you know, estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor positive, obviously that's, and I'll talk to her about that. You know, I don't believe, it's not my personal belief that estrogen causes breast cancer. If it did, then every woman in the world would, would get breast cancer. It's like what you talked about though. It's how are you metabolizing it? Um, what metabolites are you bringing to the table? What are your genetics and all the other stuff that's going on? But estrogen can stimulate a cancer cell that has an estrogen receptor on it. So you have to be careful of that. And, you know, first do no harm is what we live by. I don't want to stimulate cancer if I don't have to. So what I usually will try with women that have a history of breast cancer that are struggling is to put them on, I'll talk to them about something like, so it's piecemeal. So what's bothering you the most? Well, if it's vaginal dryness, I would direct them to Jolva. Um, if it's uh, overall just kind of health, I might recommend that they uh, try something like feminescence or maca-based product, especially for hot flashes and sleep and, and things like that, because we know through the research that maca can help or your, you know, maca product that you maca, is it maca green or what? Mighty that? maca plus. Yeah. Mighty maca. You. Yeah. Thanks for the and put that in your shakes in the daytime. That's for women that like to do that. I'll refer them to your product because feminescence is a capsule. Um, and so there's, there's those options. Um, high doses of uh, fish oil sometimes can help. Magnesium can help. Um, and I'm also not somebody that likes to spend a bazillion dollars on supplements, right. um, but I will recommend, and I'm a kind of a fan like you with the maca. It's like, I don't want you to, to use a product that has a little bit of maca and, and, and like 17 other things. If we're going to use maca, let's use maca, right? Let's use a, a good dose of, of maca, like 500, 600 milligrams, and let's maximize that supplement before we switch and add something else. You know, um, I'm just kind of a, like a minimalist when it comes to supplements, but there's definitely a lot of things you can do, even acupuncture or Chinese medicine, or, you know, there's, there's so many different options we have nowadays that we don't have to go right to estrogen. I will go to estrogen if it's somebody that I've known, she's tried other things, it's just not working. I will reach out and contact their oncologist, you know, just to talk to them. And because I want it to be, I think, you know, the worst thing you can do is have an animosity between providers. And then yeah. sometimes it's hard, Yeah. but, yeah. but that doesn't help the patient. If right. she knows there's this negativity, I think that spills over. So yeah. it's just trying to find the main symptoms, you know, target those main symptoms and, and try to use something that will target that particular symptom that might not be more stimulating to the estrogen receptor or the cancer cell. Yeah. And what about, um, and so I, I would concur with that because oftentimes that phone call provider to provider can make a huge difference, you know, and yeah. they could give your book, right? They could give both our books to their provider and highlight sections that, 
you know, make sense to them or they want to communicate too. And I'm always available to physicians. In fact, that's what only thing I do now is physician to physician consult. But also with um, using like what we've seen too with um, DHEA and testosterone is that you know, using that in women with history of, of breast cancer as the work of Dr. Rebecca Glazer has shown over the last 15 years that I've been following her work is that there's no increased risk of breast cancer with this. So there are sometimes these considerations that you can have a discussion with your physician always for anyone who has a history of breast cancer is being treated with breast cancer to really talk to your physician, healthcare provider team about this and doing everything we can to optimize your health. Nothing irritates me more than when I see a patient who's been uh, treated for breast cancer and um, or undergoing treatment for breast cancer and I, and I evaluate them and I do their vitamin D level among other tests yeah. and their vitamin D's in the single digits or you know, below 20. I've had, I remember a patient, a beautiful school teacher, retired school teacher, uh, African-American woman from Sapelo Island that came to my practice in, in Brunswick, Georgia. And um, she'd been treated for breast cancer and I did her vitamin D25 hydroxy level as, as, and her level was 11. I just wanted to cry and I wanted to scream and yell at her oncologist and her primary care team. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And we want that number for anyone listening, like 11, no, it's not good. Below 20 is pathologic. Below 30 is pathologic. In, in my field, below 50 is pathologic. I mean, she should have an optimal number, 50 to 80, closer, you know, even 80 to 100. And if there's been a personal history of cancer, I want that number as close, close to 80 as possible. So imagine her number was 11. And why I'm saying this is that we know that um, below, below 50, your risk of all types of cancer and cardiovascular disease um, exponentially increases. But the higher the number, the lower it is. So especially if we've had, so we focus on avoid everything estrogen and you're watching everything you put in your mouth, including soy and these other things, when your vitamin D level wasn't even optimized. So we really want to address these key hormone players. Uh, I have another great question here on hormone um, therapy. It says, uh, what um, Elaine wrote in, what are your thoughts about the idea that estrogen is needed just to protect the brain and bones after menopause? Well, it certainly can help with cognition. I mean, how many times have we heard the brain fog comment? Um, I see that a lot with low thyroid too. Um, oh yeah. And estrogen, estrogen we know will stop or slow bone loss, but actually for bones, um, the combo that I, that research has shown is the best is estrogen with testosterone. That, that double, you know, not only are you, you're slowing the osteoclastic or the, the, the absorption of bone, but you're stimulating the osteoblastic laying down of new bone with, with each one of those. So the, in combination, they work really well. Um, I personally think, you know, the benefits to, we worry about breast cancer. We worry about, that's the main one we worry about breast cancer. You hear about it all the time, but we don't talk about um, bone health, 
cardiovascular health, brain health, skin health, you know, all these other things that you're going to benefit from. If you are a woman who's not taking hormones because you're afraid of breast cancer, that's respectable. I, I respect that. But if you feel miserable and you can't go out and, and, and do the things you want to do and work out and live a productive life and have a sexual relationship with your partner and do all those things that we know increase longevity, I think you're, you're putting the cart in front of the horse. You know, you're kind of, you're, you're to be that scared of estrogen. I think we, the, the women's health initiative did a real disservice. I feel like 15 years ago and scared the, the crap out of everybody, everyone. And even now, how many family practice providers don't prescribe hormones because they're still afraid of them, even though there's a current study going on right now that has followed women on bioidenticals for seven years and there's no increased risk of breast cancer so far. And they're going to keep it, keep it going. But yeah, we, we, you know, the women that were in the women's health initiative, what they were all over 63. I mean, the whole study was kind of flawed and it was what we already knew in the package insert. It was, it wasn't any real new, but the media took it and went crazy. And they also didn't talk about the fact that colon cancer rates go down. Um, like we said, osteoporosis, your chances of having an osteoporotic fracture are way higher than breast cancer. Yeah. Just They just are. Cardiovascular, we know estrogen. Women that don't take estrogen post-menopause have the same rates of heart disease as men because they don't have the estrogen around. Estrogen is going to raise your good cholesterol. It's going to lower your bad cholesterol. And so it's, and, and, and like you talked about, it's, it's silent. It's not like you can see it happening. We talk about the symptoms and how those get better, but it's the silent factors like, like with vitamin D, vitamin D doesn't make you feel any different, but it protects you. And I always tell people that you're going to forget to take it because it's not like blood pressure medicine. So it's like, you just don't know that it's helping, but it's helping, you know, and it's long-term. So I think, like you said, it's, it's good to have people checking labs. I mean, when I was coming up as a youngster, we didn't even check labs. We didn't check thyroid. We didn't, I started checking vitamin D in my pregnant patients seven years ago. And I was in a big group and I was the only one that would do it. And they were giving me a hard time about it because ACOG came out and said, you didn't need to do it. And I said, yeah, I know you don't need to, but what, 80% of my pregnant patients had levels below 30? I mean, all of them. Wow. And it's because we're afraid of the sun too, so that doesn't help. But but yeah, it's like simple things sometimes can make the biggest differences. Right, right. I always say the kind of cancer we get from lack of sun exposure is much worse than any cancer we get from sun exposure. So mm -hmm. um, I, I am very... Um, rage heavy on the hot, you know, optimizing our vitamin D. So I'm glad you're, you were doing that. And here's one that may fit into, you know, it's likely curious which archetype she would fit into. Um, Louise wrote in and she says she's postmenopausal with auras preceding most of her hot flushes and wonders how to cope with these. She has experienced heightened anxiety, irritability, and rage at times. And she, um, they are like being possessed and I really want to know how to cope with these. I've tried breathing exercises, drinking water, stillness, and I'm at a loss. You're not yeah, alone, well, Louise. You are not Yeah, alone. and sometimes, uh, sometimes you, you actually, you know, and like I said, I mean, I don't know her history, but some of these women are super afraid of hormone replacement. 
and it could literally make you a completely different person, right? So um, a lot of that anxiety and rage and stuff, I think that's a lot of low progesterone type issues, especially with sleep and, and, and things like that. And, and it's just, it's one of those things. It's like, I mean, I've done this so much that I can, if I could show women what they would feel like six weeks later, um, 90% of the time. And it's funny because especially in menopause, menopause is fairly easy because it's your zero, right? Perimenopause is tougher because those women are going up and down and, and things are changing from month to month sometimes. But menopause, I think we can make a huge difference pretty quickly. And, and I always look at hormones as like this. Yes, hormones will fix things. They'll fix them quick. You'll feel better faster. But then also looking at the vitamins, looking at the supplements, because those things are going to help long-term and you can add those in kind of slowly because if you just tried, like if you just tried maca, maca will probably work 60 to 70% of the time, may not work forever for everybody, but it might take a while. It's like more of a weeks to months kind of thing. Whereas hormones are going to be within a week, probably in, in most instances. Um, but yeah, for women that don't like them or don't want them, there are other options, but, but definitely would for that individual would consider estrogen and progesterone and then even consider testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. And so with or without a uterus, what's your thoughts on progesterone replacement? Well, you know, you and I grew up in that, you know, time when if you didn't have a uterus, you didn't get progesterone. Um, because you didn't need it because that was the only reason we would give it was to protect against uterine cancer. The way I look at it now though, is if you're just prescribing estrogen and you're not prescribing progesterone, you're kind of putting that woman into a quasi estrogen dominant state. So they can still have things like irritability and weight gain and, and, you know, headaches and breast sensitivity and water retention. I do think that the progesterone to me, progesterone is probably one of my favorite hormones because it can make sometimes the biggest differences. A lot of women that are on antidepressants for anxiety, like Prozac or other medications, sometimes just giving them progesterone, they can get off of the other stuff because it, calm, it upregulates your GABA receptors, it calms you down, it helps you sleep at night. Sometimes these women, I mean, I just talked to a lady, she's up till two in the morning. And then she's kind of has this quasi sleep because she's constantly waking up and you put her on progesterone and she's sleeping for six hours. Like, you know, and that makes a massive difference, obviously. So I'm a fan of doing both, even if you don't have a uterus. Yep. And I, I think when I started recognizing using progesterone in women who many years had a hysterectomy or many years postmenopausal and weren't on progesterone and I, I put them on progesterone to help them get a good night's sleep, right? Or to help balance their hormones or protect their bone or protect their breast or whatever it may be. They would all come in and say, Dr. Anna, I feel like a cloud has lifted. I yeah. feel like a cloud has lifted and it's so critical. So I am in complete agreement with you and in, in this. And I know we're wrapping up, but I want you to share with our audience how they can see you in person how they can get your books and connect with you on social media. So my office phone, um, 512-956-0296. 
I take insurance. Um, if I take it, I'll take it. Um, the, the telemedicine rules now are you know, a total gray zone, but um, I usually, if patients will um, uh, promise that they'll see me at least once a year, physically, I can prescribe. Otherwise, if they can't, I can make recommendations. Um, my Instagram page is, I share tons of information there. Sean Tassone, MD is my Instagram title. And if you're interested in just kind of getting started, if you are one of those ladies that's up at night and you're struggling and you don't know what to do, you've been told everything's normal. Um, Tassone MD is my website, T-A-S-S-O-N-E-M-D.com backslash quiz. You can take my quiz. I know everybody has a quiz now, but um, my quiz is like 36 questions and it's mathematically weighted on the back end to just give you one of the 12 archetypes. And I'm pretty sure it'll resonate. Um, it gives you a starting point. Nothing is obviously as good as labs and, and seeing somebody, but it just gives you a good place to start. Tassonmd.com backslash quiz. And it's, it's also kind of fun. Oh my gosh. You're kidding. When you first came out with that, when did you come out with that? It's, it's like several months ago, right? Well, the book came out six, seven months ago, but the quiz has been around for a couple of years. I just wasn't really, I probably had 30,000 women take the quiz now. And I have been, I mean, it's funny because I am continually shocked at the responses I get, like how, oh my God, that's totally me. I had one woman email me and say, oh, the quiz doesn't work. And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's a quiz. It's not labs. Yeah. But she said, I'm actually hypothyroid. And it said, I'm hyperthyroid. And I said, well, when was the last time you had your hormones checked? And she emailed me back like two weeks later and she said, oh, they just took me down on my medicine because I was on too much. So Aha, that's really cool. And I think I was the saboteur. I think that rings the bell. Well, that would make sense because you work a lot. <laughs> oh, I was like, it was just that, uh, yeah, you reminded me of that because I took it months ago. I was just, Take some more Mighty Maka, man. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, I will. And we had this quote that came in during our masterclass and I think it's so applicable to what we've discussed today. But Carol wrote in, she said, thank you. This has given me more information than any doctor I've ever seen. No one has even talked about menopause with me. So I want to just thank everyone for attending uh, the masterclass, for listening to this and sharing this information. You guys, there's so many people you think are so educated, knowledgeable, et cetera. I mean, I suffered as a board certified OBGYN because I didn't understand what we're teaching above and beyond what we're taught in medical school. So check out the masterclass, check out testonemd.com forward slash quiz and his book, The Hormone Balance Bible. We've got so much good information for you to empower you, to empower you and help you. And I'm glad that uh, Dr. Tassone is, is seeing patients and treating patients in, in person and virtually because we need more doctors that are um, doing this type of medicine that are treating you beyond, beyond your symptoms. So thank you for everything you do, Sean. I appreciate you coming on the Girlfriend Doctor Show and, and sharing uh, your wisdom, your grace, your intelligence, and your humor with my audience today. Hey, thanks for having me. Lovely. Thank you, everyone. We will be right back. You know, it is so heartwarming for me to have other colleagues, OBGYNs, that are speaking about these issues and these topics and sharing their wisdom with you because there's so much that we need to address. There's so much more that 
is that we can share. And we did this amazing menopause and perimenopause masterclass. And so with Dr. Laura Bryden, Dr. Maritza Snyder, and Dr. Karen Dunstan, and now this follow-up with Dr. Shone Tasson. So you've gotten a, a great insight into perimenopause and menopause. And I want to encourage you, if you did not listen to that masterclass, again, go to dranna.com forward slash menopause masterclass and opt in and share, listen to that, the replay of this and share both this podcast and that masterclass with your friends, with your friends and guy friends too, because just understanding what we're going through, we're not alone. And it's not, you know, it's not um, something we should just be powering through or just getting over or, you know, just put a smile on <laughs> and act and play nice right? We always have to address the underlying issue. So again, um, check out Dr. Sean Tesson and all of my colleagues too that were in the master class as well. There's information for you. If you have any questions, always can comment here below this video if you're watching on YouTube or email us at team at dranacabeca.com because my customer service team is amazing. They're amazing, hugely in, in helpful, and they want to get you answers. I really do have the best customer service team ever. They really are called the customer happiness team, and there's a reason for that. You will feel better just connecting with them. I do. <laughs> and um, we talked about a couple things in this uh, podcast with Sean, as well as in the masterclass. And a few of the products that come up over and over again is certainly my Mighty Maca Plus product, which I created for my own healing journey around the world when I was diagnosed with infertility, early menopause, and really the ingredients combined together, because there are 30 superfoods combined with the primary ingredient of organic kosher maca. Um, to help balance hormones. And we've seen improvements in progesterone numbers, markers of our adrenal function, such as DHEA, and improvements in overall well-being, hot flashes, et cetera. So something very safe. And for me, it's one of two things that I want all my patients to take, omega-3 fish oil and Mighty Maca Plus to really help support them, especially in perimenopause and menopause. And yes, it's good for men too. We have, I get this question all the time. It helps with libido, energy. We have... Um, a uh, championship boxer, a cross-country cyclist, an Olympic pole vaulter, and so many more men from all different levels um, of life experiencing the benefits of Mighty Maca. So get a couple canisters while you're at it because the men in your life will want it too. And um, progesterone, we talked about progesterone with or without a uterus. And a transdermal progesterone still available over the counter. And my formula is balance. It's called balance cream and it has progesterone and pregnenolone plus tripeptide to reduce the age spots. I'm a sun worshiper. I love the sun. I just don't want the aging effects of the sun. So I added um, tripeptide and some essential oils in with my progesterone pregnenolone balance cream. And then of course, Jolva for vaginal dryness, vulvar dryness for clitoral health to apply topically, to use it on a daily basis to massage in and get the long-term results we're seeing improving the youthfulness of what I call the most important real estate of our body, right? That really does set the tone for our quality of life. So I encourage you to ask me any questions. I love it. It's true. 
You can ask or tell me anything and there is no such thing as TMI. I want to address the four pillars of health that I'm really passionate about. And that is that we are nourished, our body, mind, and spirit. We are shining from the inside out. So we want to shine and look healthy, radiantly healthy, and also embrace, embrace each other, embrace our relationship with ourselves, embrace connection and intimacy for the rest of our lives when it comes to sexual health as well. And, um, and then the fourth pillar is awaken, awaken the intelligence that's within us. So again, thank you for being here and listening to the Girlfriend Doctor Show and podcast. And I look forward to next time. And this is coming out during this holiday season. And I wish you a happy holidays and happy new year. Thank you for being here with me.